First Corinthians chapter number five, verse number seven. Paul said, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. And then this is a money part right here at the end. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Christ, our Passover. And that's the thought that I want to look, look at today and keep in mind today is that Christ is our Passover. Let's pray. Amen. So he says, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, and that's going to be relevant in this sermon because we're going to talk a little bit about leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And we're going to kind of jump off from there, and we're going to go to uh, Luke chapter number... Luke, we'll be going to Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. So while we're finding that, let me just point out, there's two ordinances in the church. There's two things that we're commanded to do as a church that Jesus gave us commandment on. Y'all know what those are? The first one is believers. Oh, man. See, this is a good lesson already, and this ain't even part of the sermon. Believers' baptism is the first one. We have a baptistry because we're to baptize others. Baptize people. We're commanded to. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to go too far into believers' baptism, but when we baptize people, we call it believers' baptism because you need to be a believer to get baptized. You don't get baptized to get saved, but you get baptized because you believe in Jesus Christ. And it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at today is pictures again. So the next part is the Lord's Supper. We're commanded to do the Lord's Supper. And those are the two ordinances of the church. Okay? Believers, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. So... In Matthew 28, 19, we see discipleship and we see baptism. We see leading people to the Lord and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then the Lord's Supper comes from the last commandment that Jesus gave us at the Last Supper before he was imprisoned, beaten, and crucified. Now, next week is Easter, so it just kind of felt natural that we would look at the Last Supper today and we would look at Christ as our Passover And uh, go to Luke chapter 22. Look at uh, verse number 19. We're going to be looking at, we're going to go back to verse number 1 after this. But Luke chapter number 22, verse number 19, says, And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So when we take the Lord's Supper, it's to remember what Jesus has done for us. When he breaks that bread, and he's telling them to remember him until he comes. We're to remember the Lord's death until he comes, Paul says. So he says, likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. And this we're to also do and remember it to him, because he shed his blood on the cross without the remission of, without Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Amen. And Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. So 
let's go back to verse number one and let's look at what was happening during this Last Supper. We're going to just, just to give you the heads up so that you know where we're going to go. We're going to read here in Luke chapter number 22 and then we're going to go back to Exodus chapter number 12. There's even a few Psalms that we're going to look at today. And uh, we'll keep it all in context. It said, now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh. And that's critical, the unleavened bread, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered into Satan, into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray them, him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Now, there'd be a whole sermon on Judas, but this is the scenario that's taking place. Judas here is about to turn Jesus over. He's about to betray the Son of God. He's about to betray him so that he's crucified on the cross. So, verse number six, and he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. And then came the day of unleavened bread. And that's the funny thing. They were so interested in, in killing Jesus, but they knew that if everybody knew what they were doing, the people would be against them. And then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto him, Unto them, Behold, when you are entered into this, this city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, and there make ready. And they went and found as he said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. Notice that Jesus didn't give them an address. He sent the disciples out. He knew Judas was there. He knew if Judas knew where he was going to be. He wanted to have this last supper. So he tells them, when you see this man carrying a pitcher, which would be an odd sight in those days, when you see the man carrying a pitcher of water, tell him my master needs a room. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went and found as he said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then it goes on. But we want to stop right there and talk about the Passover that he wanted to eat with him. You know, it, you read about it, maybe you don't think about it a lot. But I, I had some fun studying for this, you know, because I, I, I looked at what the Jews do for Passover, the Jewish people today. You know, today they still celebrate the Passover. There's the matzah bread. That's the unleavened bread. And just to take you into it, you know what leavening is. You know, today it's yeast. Back then, it might have been a little bit of bread from the day before, kind of like sourdough bread. And they would take that, that old bread, and they would mix it in with the new, and it would leaven it, and it would cause it to swell, and, you know, they would bake it like that. But there's a particular reason that God had them no leaven in the bread. 
And when you begin to look at pictures in the Bible and you see these things, Peter was telling, uh, Paul was telling them to, uh, Paul told them in our verse, he said, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. There's a picture in there somewhere and leaven is a, a type or a picture of contamination or a picture of sin in your life. You purge it out, Paul's telling them. We won't go into the whole context of that, but we have the, the preparation we have the meal. We have this, the scenario where we, it gets better here. Just hang on. We have the meal where they're having the Passover. And he says, with, for, <clears throat> he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And he was telling them he was going to suffer. When they sat there at this Passover meal, they didn't realize what all he was going through. This Passover meal to them, this last supper, meant something different to them than it means to us, but it means the same thing to both of us. Y'all follow me on that? I like to make it a little bit of confusion and pull it in there. The Passover meal when they were eating it meant a little something different to them than it means to us when we look back at the Last Supper, but it actually means the same thing to both of us. And you say, explain that, Keith. Well, you'll just figure it out. Turn to Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. Now see, the Jews were required in the law to keep the Passover meal. So when they had this Passover feast that Jesus sat down at, they drank, they would drink a cup of red wine mixed with water. You see that in Luke twenty-two seventeen. And uh, there was a ceremonial washing of the hands, which symbolized a need for spiritual and moral cleansing, cleaning themselves before they came to it. They ate the bitter herbs, which symbolized their bondage in Egypt. And they drank a second cup of wine, at which time the head of the household explained the meaning of the Passover. They would then sing the first two verses of the Halal Psalms. And then next, the lamb was brought out, and the head of the household distributed pieces of it with unleavened bread. And the unleavened bread symbolized haste. There was no time to allow the dough to rise before the journey would begin. And then they drank a third cup of wine, and then they would conclude the meal by singing the rest of the halal psalms. And this was the meal that the disciples were asked to prepare. This was what they were gathering for. Now we go back to Exodus 12, and we see what the Passover meal represents. And even though this isn't an exciting sermon, what you're going to learn, it ought to make you shout. Because centuries before Jesus got here, God was painting a picture of what he was going to do with his son. All through the time, I love the quote, 40 authors over 1,200 years, 66 different books, all the different chapters, several authors sometimes in one book. Yet, there's one thread, there's one story from start to finish. You read this all the way through, you get God's story. You read this all the way through, you're going to see Jesus Christ. A lot of people look in here and they say, I want to find error. God says, okay, here's your errors. They say, I want to find genocide. God said, all right, there's your genocide. Go ahead, get mad. But when you're a believer, when you trust Christ and you read through God's word, 
and you say, I want to see Jesus. God said, let me show you my son. So look in Exodus chapter number 12. And we'll see a picture. Remember, he said, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as, as you're unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Keep that in mind as we read through this. Number one, I want to tell you about a chosen sacrifice. Look at uh, verse number four. It says, and if the household be too little, let's see. It says, speak ye unto all the congregation. This is verse number three. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. Notice that a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. So they're to choose out a specific lamb. They're to take a lamb to their house. Let me set the scenario in case, because I kind of jumped right in, right? They're in Egypt. The plagues have happened. And Pharaoh has hardened his heart. And there's one more that's about to happen. God's going to go through and he's going to smite the firstborn of every one that doesn't have the blood over the door. And God's about to, to bring death at their door. And he commands the Israelites to follow this pattern. And he wants this, he'll tell you, he'll, he'll want this to be a remembrance all through time. And it is. Because I said, even today, the Jews... I, I had a lot of fun reading about that. Just to, I'll show you that in a bit. But he said, number one, we want to see the chosen sacrifice, okay? And it's a lamb. And then there's a plentiful sacrifice. It, it says in verse number four, and if the household be too little for the lamb. Notice the lamb isn't too little for the household. Jesus is sufficient for the house. I, maybe I'm jumping ahead. I, I, I just don't know how to keep presence, keep a secret till the end. But, you know, John, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I think y'all know that, right? So when we talk about the Lamb here, we're starting to see a picture of Jesus Christ. And we see this chosen sacrifice. You know, God chose his son. God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And it's a plentiful sacrifice. It said, And if the household be too little for the Lamb... Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. So if the household was too small, they were to share it with the neighbor and divide it up among them. It was a plentiful sacrifice. And then notice verse number five. He says, your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. A lamb without spot. Jesus was our lamb without spot. He said, select the lamb on the 10th day. Uh, let's see, your lamb should be without blemish. A male of the first year, you should take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Select the lamb on the 10th day and keep it until the 14th day of the month. So they were to choose this lamb and they were to keep a hold of it. You know what happens when you've chosen a lamb out of the flock? It becomes a little more personal. You got a pattern here in verse number three, it's a lamb. In verse number four, it's the lamb. And then look what happens in verse number five. Whose lamb is it? It's your lamb. He says, your lamb should be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Jesus Christ was our lamb without spot. He was without sin. 
And then verse number, uh, he says, uh, let's see, there would be an attachment that would develop between the family and the little lamb. This was intentional. God wanted them to see the high cost of sin, and he wanted them to understand that salvation is an intensely personal business. You know why people don't come to the Lord? Because it's not personal. You know, I've, I've told you time and again, when you're leading someone to the Lord, if they can't see their own sin, if they don't even understand that they're sinners, if, if they're saying, you know, I, I'm not a bad person, there, you, there's not a lot you can do for somebody that's got it all figured out. But it's when we realize all of sin and come short of the glory of God, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. When you begin to see yourself in God's eyes, when that first sin that was committed in the Garden of Eden and sin passed down, you say, well, I never killed anybody. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus came along and he changed a lot of things. And he said, but I say unto you, whosoever is angry at his brother without a cause. You say, well, I hadn't committed adultery. Y'all know this. And Jesus said, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her committed adultery already in his heart. Jesus took it from the external and he brought it to the internal. And when you realize that you're guilty of sin, then God can help you. Then this sacrifice can help. So it's a pure sacrifice. It's without blemish. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For as much as 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Christ or Passover. It's a lamb without blemish and without spot. And it's, a, it's not only... Not only is it a chosen sacrifice, a plentiful sacrifice, a personal sacrifice, and under plentiful, it, it was enough for everybody. It's not just God chose some, but it's a personal sacrifice, a pure sacrifice, and it's a judge sacrifice. Man, I'm firing through these points. Look at uh, verse number eight. Verse number, uh, verse number eight, he says, And they shall eat the flesh at night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So fire is a picture of the judgment. When Jesus died on the cross, they weren't just killing the Son of God. They were killing your sin up there on the cross. It said, the Bible said, he made him to be sin for us. We knew no sin. Not talking about that we didn't know sin, but Jesus knew no sin. But he took on our sin when he was on the cross. So fire is a picture of judgment. It reminded Israel that the judgment of God was being poured out on sinful Egypt. And the only thing that prevented Israel from being judged along with Egypt was the blood of the lamb who had died to save them. The lamb had been judged in their place. And this also pictures the Lord Jesus who was judged in place of his redeemed ones. Galatians 3.1 tells us, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So Jesus was made a curse for us. 
It's also a received sacrifice. Look at uh, verses 8 through 10. It says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. So in this, we have a picture of Jesus taking the judgment, but we also, look what it says, they shall eat the flesh in the night. It was, it, it was personal. It had to be accepted. It had to be received. I've given you the illustration before, you know, salvation is a free gift, but if you don't accept it, it's not yours. It's the same thing. You can know all about Jesus. You can know all about these, these pictures and these types in the Old Testament, but if you don't receive Jesus Christ for yourself, he's not yours. It's not personal. So there they were in Egypt, and they were about to get out, and the Lord's laying it out. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to send my angel, and he's going to kill all the firstborn. And for you to get out of that, for me to pass over you, these, this is what you need to do, and you need to follow all of this. And God... All throughout the Old Testament, I've, I've told you all about this, and I get fired up about it, but God, all throughout the Old Testament, he painted these pictures with the law and with the things that had to be done. And I'm just, it's like I said, this, this isn't a barn burner sermon. This is just teaching. This is one of those uh, Sunday night on Sunday morning sermons. He said, uh, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remained of it, until the morning shall you burn with fire. That just makes me think of that empty tomb. A saving sacrifice. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Look at uh, Exodus 12, 13. Exodus 12, 13. He said, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. Now, we're going to go a little further, and you'll see how that blood was applied. But God's telling that lamb, that blood from the lamb, they were to take the hyssop, dip it in there, and put it on the doorposts. And it's, as long as they stayed inside, and as long as they stayed behind that door, they had the blood on the top and on the doorposts. I'm just saying. And God saw that blood. He would pass over. And everyone that was under that blood was safe, was protected. Everyone that had received that sacrifice, everyone that had put their faith and trusted what God had told them, God had given them this for their salvation. If somebody said, if somebody was among them, and they're everywhere, right? But if somebody in Egypt, one of the Israelites said, oh, we don't need that. I don't, this doesn't even make sense. Yeah, 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 I'm not messing with that. I'm not messing up my house. God didn't pass over that house. The judgment went on that house instead of on that lamb. And you say, well, that's an odd thing to say. Well, people do it every day today. I don't need Jesus. I don't need his protection. I made it through all these other years. I made it through these other years. I, I, you know, I picture it, somebody that doesn't believe in God, I picture them like somebody on a, on a railroad track. And I say, I, I don't believe in God, I, or I don't believe in this train, I don't believe in this train. And the train said, woo-woo. 
and it's coming at them. And he said in Exodus 12, 13, And the blood shall be to you a to- for a token upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. If you want to, you don't have to, but over in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 11 through 18, it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. This is way down the line. God laid it out for the sacrifices. Leviticus 17, 11, he said, The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your sin. Soul, it is the blood that makes an atonement. God laid it out for them to do the sacrifices year after year. We've talked about this, right? And they, they would go up their animals dying for their sin. So in Hebrews chapter number 10, it says, And the blood shall be of every priest standing daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, will I write them? And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And he says, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. And then Hebrews 9.22 tells us, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So I know I just threw those at you, but let me kind of put it together for you. God made the way through the law for that sacrifice to purge their sins. Verse Hebrews 9.22, he said, For almost all things are by the law purged with blood. When those sacrifices were made, God allowed for that law to purge the blood. But there was always a remembrance because it, it's kind of like you clean water and then the dirt falls back in it. What happened? You got to clean it again, right? You, your, your life, you have sin. You would go up and make the offering. The Jew would make the offering. But then when he walked back out, he'd sin again. And there was a need to do it again. But over there in Hebrews chapter number 10, it explains to us that Jesus, once and for all sin, he offered himself, he offered his own blood for our sin. Am I, am I, am I kind of keeping y'all on track here? Or are y'all just way ahead of me? I know what you're talking about. It's still good, though. I mean, when I found this, I got excited. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's some powerful words. You know how many times people say, well, I need to get saved again. I need to get saved again. For one time. When Jesus died on it, he said, forever. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever. How long is that? That's forever. It's a long time. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified or set apart, whereof the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant, and then he talks about that. So God made a way through his law to purge sins, but sin would come back in, and there was no need to purge again. Or there was a need to purge again until Jesus Christ died once and for all sin. 
All right, back in Exodus chapter number 12, if you went there. So not only, just to go back, not only was that lamb a sacrifice, it was a, it was a chosen sacrifice, a plentiful sacrifice, a personal sacrifice, a pure sacrifice, a judged sacrifice. It had to be a received sacrifice. It's a saving sacrifice. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, he says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And then it's also a memorialized sacrifice. In uh, verse 13 to 14, or verse 14, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. When you read through the Old Testament, what did God always tell them when he started to talk to them? I am the God that delivered you out of Egypt. I am the God that fed you in the wilderness. And he reminded them. He gave them an ordinance to remember it for all ages. So back to my study, looking at the Jews and the, and the Passover meal, they they lay out the matzah and they lay out the plate. I can't remember all the order, but you've got a little bone from a lamb and you've got the bitter herbs. You know, you've got some romaine or, and maybe some horseradish there. The bitter herbs are to remind them of the bitterness of their bondage in Egypt. Even today, they look back and they look back at that bitterness and bondage in Egypt. There's another, I forget the name of it, Corazit or something like that, but... It's made of nuts and apples and things like that, but the way it's mixed up, it kind of looks like mortar. And it's to remind them of the bricks that they had to put together while they were in Egypt. And they memorialize all of that. They remember what God did for them, even today. And uh, they, they have the matzah bread, which is unleavened. God told them to make it in haste. And, you know, uh, I saw the recipe for the matzo bread. You know, they say in order to, to be right, it has to be made within 18 minutes. And she was talking about how you can make the bread. It's just flour and water. It's a poor man's meal. Make it in 18 minutes, and you put it in the oven and whatnot. I'm sure they weren't putting it in the oven, maybe on the fire. But within a certain amount of time. And there's not to be any leaven in it. There's not to be any leaven in the house. And there's, that's a picture of the sin that's supposed to be purged. And he said in verse uh, 24, he said, And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever, and it shall come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean you by this service? That you shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worship and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. I want to show you one other thing. I didn't know how to fit it in there, but I just wanted to share it with you. Look at Psalms 113. Psalm 113. So one other thing they do when they celebrate the Passover is they'll sing these psalms. Psalms 113 to 118, word for word. 
and we'll just look at, uh, we'll just hit a couple points here. But Psalm 113, praise you, the Lord. Praise you, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. For the rising of the sun and to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? How's that for memorializing God? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of the people. He make the barren woman to keep house and be joyful, a joyful mother of children. Uh, 114, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O sea, that thou fleddest, thou Jordan, that thou was driven back? Ye mountains that ye skipped like rams and ye little hills like lambs. And it goes on. That would be good to read on your own time. Go back to Luke chapter 22. So we see the Passover and we just see that picture and the bitter herbs and all of that that ties together. So we go back to the Last Supper and we see Jesus sitting with the disciples and the meal that they're having as the disciples eat it, they're remembering back to that exodus from Egypt. I said this supper meant a little something different to them than it means to us today. When we look back at the Last Supper, we see Jesus breaking the bread. We see Jesus drinking the wine and saying, drink, this is my blood. Now you know how they mean the same thing. He says, uh, verse number... Verse number 15, and he said unto them with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and gave it, break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Let me share one other thing I found. I found it interesting. See, when they do the matzah, and I don't know the exact, you know, everybody varies a little bit. But in the matzah, there's three layers. There's the Kohen, the, the Koran, the Levi, and something else. And it has to do with classes of people in Israel. But it just interested me that the middle, middle matzah is the Levi. You know, priest is, Jesus is our priest. He's our intercessor. I'm just painting this picture. This is all free. Y'all, y'all, this is free now. Okay? This is my observation. I didn't see this in any text. I'm just thinking about it. They take out that middle piece, that middle matzah. It's just flat, kind of like tortillas that are stiff. Taking that out, you know what they do with that Levi? They break it. And I've heard different explanations for it, but, you know, all I can see is Jesus. 
You know something else they do that's kind of interesting? They'll take that piece, they'll eat one piece, and they'll take the other piece and they'll hide it till the next day. And they'll give it to the kids. One of the kids will go and hide it. They'll wrap it up in a napkin, and then they'll go and bury it. And then they'll hunt it down and pull it out the next day. Y'all see what I'm thinking? Jesus was in the grave and brought out. That's for free. Y'all do what you want with it. I'm just telling you, I'm just trying to show you, you know, there's just some things that make me tingle a little bit when I look at God's word and when I say, you know, God's involved in what's going on today, you know. It may not be your bills. It may not be your new car. It may not be all of these other things, but God is working in this world today. And and when you get depressed about, I mean, you read God's word and you see he worked here and he painted a picture with their lives. I mean, I see the kings, they fall, they stand, they fall, they stand. And God forgave them for a period of time. I see God's forgiveness. I read other things that he, he sat down once and for all sin and I get excited. So my question is, have you received that sacrifice? That lamb that was slain for us, that blood that was shed for us. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to do the Lord's Supper after service. And it's a time for you to purge out the old leaven. It's a time to to put aside your sin. It's a time when you, you say, Lord, search me, know me. See if there be any unclean way in me. You ask God to search you. You look at your relationships. You and you were, are there is there any bitterness that's going on in your life? I'm bringing this all up because you know I found it. It's a little too late to talk about it when we're sitting there passing out the Lord's supper. So I thought, how nifty. That's that's yeah. I use that word to talk about it beforehand so that you have some time to get right with the Lord. Just get in prayer with the Lord this week and say, Lord, I want to remember you. I want to remember you in pureness without the old leaven. So as she plays...